Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransinc.com for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. This podcast is also brought to you by AgDirect. No matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Axon would like to give you a free uh, pocket knife if you're interested in that. Go to marketingaxontire.com for your free Alliance branded tire knife. Tire knife. You don't need a tire knife. You need a pocket knife. That's That's an Alliance branded tire pocket knife. Tire knife would be bad, Sean. It'd be real bad. All right. So, <laughs> if you want one of those, go to marketingaxontire.com and uh, send them all your details. Tell them Moving Iron Podcast sent you, and they'll send you one in the mail. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs, or go to valleytransinc.com. At, the Valley, at Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Sean is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida. And he's nice enough to come on a couple times a week to talk about what's going on. So, Sean, how are you doing this morning, man? I'm doing really good. We have report day today. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it uh, usually is a market mover, yep. uh, at least for a little while. And then of course we go right back to worrying about the weather, but uh, yeah, um, it, at least we'll set the um, the initial conditions of old crop because we'll get the cola grain stocks of what the USDA says they count out there sitting around in the in grain bins and on top of what they think the farmer is going to plant, um, and that's the basis for their new crop projections that they'll start coming out with next month. They'll use those two metrics and then and then adjust accordingly. So. It's a big number, and um, you know it's a starting point to the whole process. But it's a, it's definitely one that highly anticipated uh, for this time of the year. So. Right on. Okay. All right. So we talked about that yesterday. You had the uh, the the hog, hogs and pigs report come out, and talk about that a little bit because that was a very bullish report. Well, the last two hog and pigs report were just shockingly low supply of hogs in, in the in the in the country um and it caused you know we've had a big move you know had a big move as a result of that you know everyone keeps thinking well eventually one of these reports is going to show the hogs growing you know hog herds growing again and uh this report did not show that 
I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it right now, Casey, and, you know, across the board, if you look at just, just the, the headline, um, you know, all hogs as of March 1st, uh, 97.7, that means, you know, it's, it's down, um, you know, over 2% from last year at this time, and the average estimate was 99. The low estimate was 98.4, so, so we were well below even the lowest estimate out there and and if across the board all these different numbers that they came out with show just no hogs no herd growth nothing going on um and so the tight supply that we're having is going to continue for the foreseeable future right now until we see signs that the hog producer is willing to make some investments and get things going again and that means the price needs to ration demand and have we done that are we about to do that the problem is we're heading into the grilling season, and, you know, you have a bunch of people that for a couple of years didn't do a whole lot, and they're going to want to go grill a lot and have a lot of meat on the on the grill and pork still relatively, um, you know, relatively cheap relative to beef prices and other things. So it's, it's, it's suggests to me that we're still going to maintain a bullish environment here for a while, Casey. I'm really surprised. That we're not seeing anything suggesting we're not even getting larger weights because of the high feed price. You know, like they're not even fattening them up right now. So crazy bullish number. I guess I'm expecting limit up today based upon this, Casey. If for whatever reason <laughs> we're not limit up on this number, that would be a really interesting reaction because if the market isn't limit up on this, then it might be saying it's all priced in. So I think today's price action, hogs really needs to be watched carefully because if that number doesn't make the hog market go limit up, then we might be near a top. Um, but on the surface, hard to imagine we're not going to be limit up today. Uh, at least that's the, you'd have to look at that number and feel the market's going to do that. So. Yep. Yeah, there's a, uh, definitely something to pay attention to because big report you know like this what you see today kind of happen tomorrow so let's talk about what's coming out today report wise you got a uh, quarterly stocks report plus you've got the uh, um, uh, uh, estimated uh, acreage report as well comes out as well so two big reports a lot of stuff going on right now a little more fuel to either throw on the fire or water to throw on the fire one or two I guess as you're looking at this I guess what's your what are your thoughts? I mean, where I mean, it could go either way. I know, and you know, we're not going to try to guess what the USDA is going to think. But I guess, what are your thoughts there? I mean, the the, the bulls say that uh, you know these incredible exports we've been seeing are underestimated. The, the um, that the uh, incredible ethanol demand that we've had has been underestimated, and that the USDA, because of this, is going to lower. You know, going to lower the quarterly grain stocks below current estimates. That's that's the bulls thought process the bears process is is saying it's already priced in um you know the number we just said the number of hogs out there are low number of cattle out there are low uh that means they're eat, you know they don't need to eat as much uh, feed as they would normally and, and that's maybe being you know maybe the feed demand is being overestimated you know there's your, there's two sides of the market so um you know I, I don't think it's a surprise that old crop is tight I mean, I, you know, we, we have $7 corn and $16 right. soybeans, so right. I'm not really, yeah. I don't think it's a shock that the market thinks that we have some pretty tight old crop stocks. Um, so, you know, it, it, it would really need to be pretty bullish, uh, pretty low to, 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 
surprise the market from where we are currently are priced. Now on the acreage, uh, I did see, and I wanted to share this, Farmer Business Network, they're very good at putting out acreage numbers. They, they basically do their own um, survey of their thousands of farmers that work with them. In the last couple of years, they've pretty much nailed this acreage report. Now, of course, given that I've said that I've just jinxed them, they're going to get it wrong this time. But um, nonetheless, uh, you know, I, I think they're a fairly independent uh, outfit that looks at it from a, just what is what is it? What are they seeing? Um, and they claim this came out last night, by the way. They claim that corn acres are going to be coming in at around ninety-one point one. Uh, the current estimates ninety-two. So this is their view. Um, they believe soybeans are going to come in around eighty-nine point two. Um, I think most people are thinking eighty-nine. So that really wouldn't be much of a surprise. The corn number obviously would be a million acres below. Uh, what I thought was also very interesting is they have. Um, spring wheat um, most people think spring wheat acres are going to go up they actually have spring wheat acres coming down a little bit from last year going to 11.2 versus 11.4 that would be a pretty big surprise that, you know, as you know the winter, the spring wheat crops last year were horrible the supplies are really tight the market's banking on an increase in acres and if their number turns out to be the number they come out with today I think that would be a pretty big surprise so I would be I really be paying attention. I mean, obviously, I want to pay attention to all the numbers, Casey. But I'd really be paying attention to, um, you know, to the corn number if their corn number is correct and it's a million below esp- estimates. And I'd really be paying attention to the spring wheat number to see if that number actually comes in down when everyone is thinking up. That could be the two big surprises today if Farmer Business Network's uh, uh, data set is um, is on the mark here. So, right on. Okay. We had a, uh, so it is the often anticipated, never duplicated Q&A Thursday with Sean Hackett. So that's what we got going on today. So we had a question come in from, uh, from Brad out of Hurley, South Dakota. His question is, and a lot of people are talking about the Fed right now. We've got interest rates going up and those kind of fun things. And, and his question is, uh, will the Fed be bringing up yield curve control this year? Well, the Fed has two things that they're trying to do. The first thing is the inflation is a problem. The politicians know the inflation is not going to get them elected if we do, there's not some sign that inflation is getting under wraps. Um, and so the Fed Reserve has waited forever to take action, and so now they're starting to raise interest rates. The problem is because they waited so long, this inflation is now run, run amok, and we're now seeing... We've had one of the biggest backing up in interest rates um, in terms of acceleration in a long, long time. So the answer is yes. Eventually, they're going to have to come in and do this, Casey. The, the, the boom-bust cycle, I remember when I was five years old, my father used to curse and swear about the Federal Reserve printing money and you know, and, and then taking the money away and printing it again and taking it away and creating these up and down. And, they, and nothing's changed. So they, they printed too much. Now they're taking it back. It's going to cause a recession later this year in the 23. Then they're going to have to go and print a bunch of money, but they're not going to call it quantitative easing, Casey. That's now a bad term. Everybody hates quantitative easing. They're going to have to yeah. call it something new. Yield curve control sounds much more you know, sophisticated. It's not the same thing we're doing for a different, you know, they're going to wrap around that we're doing a different policy than quantitative easing. In the end, it's still quantitative easing, which means set an interest rate 
tell the market you're not going to let it go above that interest rate, and you'll print and buy as many bonds as it required to keep the interest rate from going any higher. Because at $32 trillion in counting, the government cannot endure higher interest rates much beyond where we are without having the interest on the debt be greater than the tax revenue coming in. And so we're hearing things about, you know, the uh, wealth tax or the mm-hmm. uh, 20% where they're going to tax everything, everything you have that has appreciation, they're going to tax it, whether you have actually realized or not. So if you own a home from 20 years ago and say you bought a home for 100000 it's now worth 500000 you have to pay tax, 20% tax on the difference if your net worth is above a certain amount. You know, they're, they're playing around with who would be... Uh, 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 up, you know, who would be in that group? You know, if, if you had a stock that you own for 20 years, like Microsoft, that's up 55,000%, you'd have to pay tax on, on your unrealized gain. Um, I think they estimated that Elon Musk, under the plan, would have to pay out something like, uh, what do they say? Something like $780 million, I think, mm-hmm. you'd have to pay out one year, something like that. Now, and, and of course, this is going to increase the tax revenue by $390 billion. And, you know, <laughs> We just increased the debt by thirteen trillion. Yep. So this whole tax scheme is going to bring in maybe three hundred ninety billion. When we're when we're adding a trillion dollars a year, it is irrelevant. Right. It won't do anything to change our situation. But that's what the politicians are trying to say we need to do. Yep. I am from the government. And I'm here to help. That always. <laughs> that always helps. That always works out well for everybody when that comes out. <laughs> but but, but answer his question, I mean, of course they're going to have to be yoko control. They yep. can't allow rates to go up to five, six, seven percent. It's the, the the government will be out of business, and the government wants to be continuing to spend money until mm-hmm. such time that they're not allowed to do so anymore. So the and remember, the Fed chairman is there by the pleasure of the president, and um, <laughs> if they want to keep their job, they're going to have to pretty much do what the politicians want them to do. I know there's this view of independence. That doesn't exist. <laughs> That's funny, Sean. You're a funny guy. That makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah. All right. So on that same topic, let's, let's talk a little bit about interest rates. So as you're, as you're looking at, at, we have record on-farm um, income. If you take... You know, look at, at at inputs and what's going on there. You got stuff going on in Ukraine and Russia. We've talked a lot agnosium here about what's going on. Um, we start looking at new crop in December, especially December corn, and you sprinkle in this uh, quarter percent increase in rates um, every every quarter whenever the Fed decides they want to do that, which typically is at the Fed meeting. They'll do that every quarter. So by the end of the year, we're going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of um, probably lending somewhere around about 6%-ish to the to the farmer um, out there, um, five and a half maybe, something like that. What are your, what are your thoughts on that and, and when you start looking at the cost of operation when you start talking to your guys you work with? Well, you know, I mean, obviously with the escalation of seed and cash rents and fertilizer, and now you're saying the cost of loans, especially as they renew, or if you have variable rates, I mean, every farmers have all kinds of different products that they have. Some are based on short-term rates, some are based on long-term rates. It all depends what kind of mortgage or what kind of farm loan you have. Uh, But I mean, obviously the cost of money is going up. 
Now, if we actually go into a deep recession, or it looks like we're heading into a deep recession, the long-term rates will start to go down because the, the, you know, the long-term rates are looking at the uh, long-term situation of the economy, and the economy is going to enter a bit deep recession and the demand is going to pull back, then it would start to anticipate some lowering of demand, some lowering of some of these inflation rates, while the shorter-term intermediate-term interest rates stay high. They call that flattening the yield curve. Um, and we're, if you've been looking at the yield curve, Casey, um, we're flattening it substantially here over the last 30 to 45 days. Um, and when it gets inverted, typically, is when you are at great risk of having a recession. Um, when it's highly, when you have a high amplitude between low and high, like we had last year, you know, it suggests um, you know, a, a very strong economic period of demand and growth, which we've experienced as we came out of the pandemic and all the money that was printed and all the fiscal stimulus that was spent. Uh, so right now, everything is saying uh, long-term rates actually might be topping out, potentially, uh, but the short-term rates obviously are going to continue to go up. So if I was a farmer looking at my loan portfolio with my bank, you know, I would be very, a little worried about the short-term loan cost of money, um, but I'd be a little... Uh, I wouldn't be as worried about my longer-term loan uh, interest rates. I think they're probably as high as they're going to get for a while um, with what we know today. So. Gotcha. Okay. Well, Sean, good stuff as usual. Um, folks want to reach out to you, get more information about what you're doing at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. We have podcasts. We have white papers, sample reports all kinds of things that discuss how we do things with our weather algorithm and capital flows algorithm to see if we could be of help to your listeners. Right on. And I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and also the YouTube page over there at the, uh, it's the Moving Iron Podcast uh, YouTube channel. Check that out. Um, plenty of places to find everything you're looking for there if you're interested in uh reading some blogs i've got posted go to movingironllc.com and you can see the uh, entire library of blogs there also all the information for the moving iron summit coming up in nashville tennessee will be there uh if you're a dealer of any kind uh any anyone that deals with used equipment uh or new equipment uh, you and you're interested in coming and talking to your peers about what's going to going on in the marketplace and also getting a good uh, look at what's happening in the future make sure you check that out so go to moving9llc.com and you will get all your information there so sean appreciate you being on the podcast man thanks casey really appreciate it and look forward to seeing you next week right on so. man so with that i'm casey seymour sean hackett let's go move smart folks out Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransinc.com for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. This podcast is also brought to you by AgDirect. No matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time.
moving on.